When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. managerial madness that's the nothing personal word of the day it is tuesday november 7th 2023 and yes we are talking about major league baseball managerial madness i've been a part of a lot of managerial insanity but the likes of which that happened yesterday we're going to get to all of it we're going to get to a new manager for your new york mets yes he's a yankee but you're going to be okay his name is carlos mendoza we're going to talk about the fact that Stephen Voigt is taking over for Terry Francona, also announced yesterday. The great Tito retires and gets replaced by the anti-Tito, and I mean that in age and experience. As a matter of fact, people may know Stephen Voigt because they think he played last year. But then we had news that Craig Council was not going to be the manager of the Mets, Carlos Mendoza is. But... Ken Rosenthal reported, among others, that Craig Council was going to manage in 2024, but it wasn't going to be for the Brewers. So everyone said, oh, that makes sense. He could go to the Astros. He could go to the Angels. He could go to the Padres. They have openings. And then out of nowhere, the clear blue sky, in a way that only I could have manufactured given my managerial history, it was announced that Craig Council was moving 87 minutes south from Milwaukee to Chicago, taking over for the Chicago Cubs. Craig Council is your new manager in Chicago, except there was no opening in Chicago. David Ross, remember David Ross, the player on the World Series winning team? David Ross, been the manager for four years. The same David Ross who Tom Ricketts said only a month ago, he's our guy, we love him, we're in. We didn't make the playoffs this year, but we love where we are. That David Ross, the one that Jed Hoyer, the president of baseball operations who took over for Theo Epstein said, he's our guy. Kumbaya, that one. Yes. That very David Ross was replaced by Craig Council, except David Ross hadn't been fired yet. So let me take you inside what's happening because there was a three or four mistakes made by the Cubs and they never called. And if they had, I would have talked to them about what it is to hire a manager while you still have a manager, how to keep it quiet, but then how to announce it. There was a time when we had Joe Girardi as our manager, 2006. We interviewed and hired Freddie Gonzalez to be our manager in 2007, even though Joe Girardi was under contract for 2007. So Larry Beinfest, Mike Hill, and I went to fire Joe Girardi while Freddie Gonzalez was in the building in a different place. This was a pro player. 
We say goodbye to Joe. Joe cleans his stuff. Joe leaves. We introduce Freddie as our manager. It's an easy situation. Joe, we're moving on. Freddie, welcome. You meet the press. You explain what you're doing. You have a solution. You choose the timing because you tell your manager when to get into the office. You tell your new manager when to get into the stadium. You have a way to drive them in and sneak them in. There's no media. There's no nothing. No leaks now. No social media makes it easier, but no problem. Apparently what the Cubs did, let's, let's go back. Let's go back to Craig Council negotiating what we thought and in interviewing with the Guardians and the Mets. And I tweeted, he is merely looking for leverage in his negotiations with the Mets because he wants to be the highest paid manager by a lot. That was always Craig Council's objective. His agent has got had gotten it out there. Yes, this Craig Council, the guy in the on the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, the manager, the great manager of the Brewers, who's done so well with the Brewers, he now had the view that as a free agent, he wants to be the highest paid manager and not by a little. So he meets with teams, appreciative of the interest from other teams. But I thought it was a fait accompli that his old boss, David Stearns, they were going to together be in New York. And no way that Steve Cohn wasn't going to pay for Craig Council because he'd be the perfect manager for the Mets. He works with David Stearns. He knows how to deal with owners. He's been with some crazy owners. All of it makes perfect sense. Except somewhere along the line, Craig Council and his agent must have done something to Steve Cohn. Because here's the thing about really wealthy owners. They will be generous to the point of night sweats. They will ignore salary ceilings. However, if you cross them, they become elephants and their memory remembers that crossing forever. It's going to come out at some point what happened in these negotiations with the Mets. It's going to come out that Steve Cohn didn't want to pay Craig Council, but that doesn't mean that that's what the truth was. Because you'd agree, it's the equivalent of not paying someone 50 grand a year to teach Shaq how to shoot free throws when you're paying him $10 million. When you've got a payroll of $350 million, having someone manage it, making $8 million, that makes a whole lot of sense. Even if it's the front office under David Stearns that's doing the heavy lifting, he paid David Stearns 10 million bucks. That's not where he's going to choose to pinch pennies. So it wasn't a negotiation over money that stopped Craig Council from being a Met. It had to have been something else. Two possibilities here. One. During the course of the negotiation, Craig Council got so greedy, asked for a number that was so insane, maybe it wasn't even the eight number. Maybe he wanted $12 million a year because he thought that he could take advantage of the Mets and Steve Cohn, and he wanted to be compensated for being far away from his home in Milwaukee. Let's say that he wanted that much and Steve Cohn said, listen, I'll give you eight, but that's it. Craig Council said, hold on, I'll be right back to you. Hey, Jed Hoyer, I got kids in high school in Milwaukee. I got kids in college in the Big Ten. I don't want to move out of Milwaukee. Chicago's so close to Milwaukee. Is there any chance that you'd go $8 million a year and I'll be your manager? And Jed Hoyer said, well, wait a minute. 
it didn't even occur to us that you were available, that you'd even consider coming to the Cubs. If you're telling me that you're not going to the Mets, we want you here in Chicago. We'll take you here in the north side. No problem. But what about David Ross? Oh, Craig said, don't worry about David Ross. I know him. Just let him go. He'll land on his feet. Give me the $8 million because I then get to be close to home. And at $8 million, I get to tell the world that I'm doing it for all the other managers out there. Have you ever heard a bigger bunch of horse hockey than this? It is such a PR disaster for Craig Council as a man that his agent was forced to give a quote, the type of quote you don't get often and I've never seen in my career. Having represented Craig Council for almost 30 years and having lived in Chicago all my life, I am thrilled to see Craig embracing a new challenge here in Chicago. All of this sounds fine so far, ignoring exactly what happened, but we're okay for now. Cubs fans are getting a terrific manager and an even better person. This is what the rumor is about Craig Council, and I know him. He is, but there's something else going on here. But okay, let's see what else the agent says. Craig has great admiration and respect for the Brewers' ownership, general manager, and fans, and for all of Milwaukee where he makes his home. Uh-oh, this is where we're starting to lose it. When you go from Milwaukee to Chicago in the way in which Craig Council did, you're kicked out of Lakeshore Country Club. It's done. You're PNG in Milwaukee, persona non grata. You think your kids are going to have an easy time in high school? I traded Cliff Floyd. My kids didn't hear the end of it. Not even to a, 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 a rival. Going from Milwaukee to Chicago, where Milwaukee already feels like the stepchild, the stepsister to Chicago, where there's a thing where we are Milwaukee. By the way, I take Milwaukee over Chicago any day because I'm Milwaukee, always team Milwaukee. But for you to think that there's not a level of envy towards Chicago, there's a reason why they try to stop Cubs fans from coming to Miller Park. They don't want Chicago fans around. They don't like the Cubs. And now that Craig Council is a Cub, done. But let's see what he says about how much he loves Milwaukee. He will retain lifelong friends and memories made as part of the Brewer family. That's really sweet. That's nice. And here comes the last line of the agent statement. He's excited about Chicago. That's really... Are you excited about the team? Are you excited about the fact that Chicago is so close to Milwaukee? Do you like the home clubhouse? What is it that excites you? Why don't you tell us or else we're going to have to guess. And what I hope you're going to now say in your statement, Mr. Agent, is that what he's excited about is where the team is, what the lineup is, the pitching staff, Kyle Hendricks, whatever you're going to say. And here he goes. Last sentence of his statement. They planned this, keep in mind. This was not off the cuff, keep in mind. He is happy that multiple teams have begun to embrace the enhanced valuation of the job of major league manager. I almost fell off my bed. The last sentence of the statement from Craig Council's agent he is excited about Chicago. No, nothing else. 
and is happy that multiple teams have begun to embrace the enhanced valuation of the job of major league manager. Well, thank the Lord that we have Craig Council and his agent because now managers are starting to get paid more money because their value to teams is finally back on the upswing. And it's not the GMs who should be getting paid. It's the managers. And this is just the beginning. I have forged our way back. We were lost in the desert for 40 years, but hallelujah, we are found. This is the beginning. I can't wait for someone to make more money than I make. Meanwhile, other owners are looking at Tom Ricketts and saying, hey, Tom, or should I call you Jimmy? What do you mean? Tom said, Jimmy who? You're Jimmy Haslam. No, I'm not. I'm Tom Ricketts. No, no, you're Jimmy Haslam. You just gave a manager $8 million. You found yourself a ceiling. Congratulations. Just like Jimmy Haslam found a ceiling of $230 million in guaranteed money to a quarterback. Forget the type of person, because I'm not comparing Council to Watson in any way, shape, or form. But if you think that Watson changed the markets for quarterback, yeah, it's true. Created a ceiling for him. If Council, if Council for one minute thinks that he is now the beginning of greater salaries for managers, here's what fellow owners are saying about Craig Council's deal. Never, never, and thank you. Meanwhile, all the talk in the statement, trying to make sure that Craig can still go to the local Piggly Wiggly, loves Milwaukee, embraces the memories, loves the owner and general manager, the owner of the Brewers came out immediately and said, we didn't lose Craig Council as a manager today. He lost us. He lost this community. See you later. When Mark and Craig see each other, it's not going to be all love and roses, rainbows and unicorns. Everyone will have a long memory about Craig Council's decision to go from the Brewers to the Cubs. Any thought of being a special assistant in Milwaukee when his managing days are over? Any thought of number being retired? Any thought of plaques? Any thought of anything? He's done. Do I blame Council for taking the money and going to Chicago? No. Do I blame him for thinking Chicago is going to be a better team over the next four to five years than the Brewers? No. But do it like a man. What would have been wrong with saying, hey, my contract is up with Milwaukee. I'm looking for a different experience. I'm ready to move on. I've told my owner, I've told my general manager, I am taking my free agency as of October 31st. And every team is on the table. Craig Council, while everything was being rumored about David Stearns and the Mets, if he knew that he was only going for the money, that's one thing. But if he knew that he was always going to be with the Cubs, because of his family, own it. I love this location. I love Milwaukee. I want to stay as close to home as possible. So many different things could have been done and said in this managerial madness that is Craig Council and the Cubs. David Ross now has the hero edit. He ends up being fired, not knowing, totally blindsided, survivor style. 
he will get another managerial job. He will become an immediate candidate for the other openings. Maybe would have been a good candidate for the Mets. But the Mets instead went with Carlos Mendoza. Carlos Mendoza was the Yankees bench coach since 2019. He's been a Yankees coach, I think, since 2017. I think my last year in baseball, he was the infield coach for the Yankees. And all anybody is asking is, what, what's the story? Is this a good hire? Is this a bad hire? Because this doesn't seem very sexy. Well, may I remind all Mets fans how good you felt when the Mets hired Buck Showalter. Not Coca, but many Mets fans were quite excited. Look at this level of seriousness. This is an owner who knows he's got a three to five year window to win. This guy brought in Showalter. Now we're talking. We've got free agents, we've got high payrolls, and we've got the manager with the gravitas without the World Series ring. He wants it badly. This is a marriage made with mana in heaven. How did that work out for you? Carlos Mendoza is going to be exactly what you think he's going to be. A steady hand, a loyal, loyal soldier to David Stearns and to Steve Cohn. He will be liked in the clubhouse just fine. There is an opportunity that he could bring you into the playoffs. He is not Bruce Bochy. He is not Joe Madden when Joe Madden first started. He's not Dusty Baker. He is not someone who will be a long-term manager. This is not going to be Eric Spolstra, where you bring a guy in from the video room, train him, and all of a sudden he's there for 10, 15 years, Hall of Fame, plus rings. This is a hire where you don't pay him millions of dollars. You have no financial risk if you're Steve Cohn. You have made the commitment to David Stearns to the tune of $10 million. You are letting David Stearns hire who he wants. And you are aware that there will be multiple managers in the David Stearns era. Because when the Mets don't perform, the owner cannot replace David Stearns. He is married to David Stearns. The best he can do is continue to change managers. What Carlos Mendoza will become once his team does not finish above the Mendoza line, meaning win 81 games, he will be replaced and the Mets will go back to a name manager. So this is what you do when you've had a name and then you go for no name and then you have a name again. So don't despair, Mets fans. It's not quite over. What else happened in managerial life? Hey, go to the World Series, you get extended. That's always true, always popular. Managers love winning the pennant. They love making it to the World Series. You win the World Series, you're, you're in good shape. But you get to the World Series, Tori Lovello got extended very quietly. This is uh, something that I don't understand. During the season in June, when the Diamondbacks were doing great, they were leading the AL West, they hadn't started their swoon quite yet, and then they recovered to win the pennant. They had extended Lovello through 2024, which is through next year. But guess what? Now they've extended him through 2026. One thing that we do as team presidents and owners, and this is what we do. Some people like having managers on lame duck years. The Yankees are famous for that. The Yankees let contracts expire before they renew them. They let it happen with, with managers, general managers. They let it, they let you flow in the wind. I had a philosophy where I never wanted a manager on his final year because I didn't want it to be a distraction. I was totally fine paying one to four managers at all times because 
invariably, when you extend a manager, you're going to fire the manager before the end of his deal. But you do it because that's what you think is better for the clubhouse. Continuity, calmness, no media asking questions about who's the manager, who's going to be the manager next year. What do you think of the manager? So Lavello gets through 26. The Diamondbacks don't have to worry. That was news yesterday as well. So now we've got these managerial openings. I wonder whether Joe Espada thinks he's ever going to get a job as the favorite to become the manager of the Astros. I wonder whether Buck Showalter thinks he has a chance in Anaheim. And if so, does he want to match Craig Council's deal and get $8 million a year from Marty Moreno? I wonder whether Joe Madden thinks he's back in. I wonder a lot of things about managers, except this. We're not going to a place next year where the importance of a manager has overtaken the importance of a general manager. We're not going to a place where managers will have autonomy over their lineup, over their team, no matter who the manager is. We're not going to a place where it's more eyes and fewer analytics and fewer numbers. We're not going there. The balance has not tipped, even with Bochi beating Baker in the World Series. What I thought would be a copycat situation where staying away from young managers would happen. Clearly, the Mets didn't have that view. Though the Cubs did. Although David Ross wasn't a young manager anymore. What a bizarre day. I cannot wait for the introductory press conference because if the Chicago media or Milwaukee media gets credentials to a press conference for counsel, I really hope the first question is, was there ever a chance you were going to the Mets? And let's hear what he says. I don't think he'll tell the truth, but we will examine what he says during that opening press conference. On the other side of Chicago, something funny happened. And I say it's funny because it's something that many of you thought was unexpected and people in the industry knew it was a guarantee. Chicago White Sox need to figure out what went wrong. Jerry Reinsdorf, the four score, eight and plus eight, 88 year old owner trying to win another world series. First one since 2005, trying to figure out why his team so badly underperformed fired his entire front office. Their makeup, their team was made up incorrectly. They were not going to win. They had a player named Tim Anderson, who was a quality player at one time and has become an average player. Tim Anderson had a team option. Remember we talked yesterday about options. Tim Anderson had an option of $14 million with only the $1 million buyout. Remember yesterday we talked about higher buyouts means the player has to be worth less. Well, with a $1 million buyout on a $14 million contract, it's a $13 million decision. Tim Anderson is not a $13 million player. He's not even a $10 million player, which made the math easy. But on top of that, he became a problem and continued to become a problem for the White Sox in the clubhouse and outside the clubhouse. And I'm not opining about him as a family man, as a person at all. I'm talking about him as a teammate and him as a player. The guy couldn't get out of his own way. Don't forget that he was suspended for that fight with Jose Ramirez in August. Don't forget that this year he hit 245 with one home run. Don't forget he's worth minus two in war. But above all of it, 
as I said on Twitter at David P. Sampson, for the White Sox, it was very simple. Tim Anderson, Tim Anderson's juice was no longer worth the White Sox squeeze. So he now goes into the open market with a bad reputation, Joan Jett. He's got to figure out what he's willing to do. My bet is that he takes a pillow deal somewhere to try to rehabilitate his image and his career, go somewhere for 5 million base plus 8 million in incentives to get to the 13 that he would have gotten or the 14 he would have gotten. And there will be some team to take a chance on him. But Tim Anderson better perform this year. That's for sure. The other thing that happened yesterday that I don't want to have you miss has to do with what price a team will pay for veteran continuity. It is a hard decision to know when to let a player go. My habit used to let players go too late. Tampa Bay sometimes lets players go too early, but it's way better to let a player go early than late. When you've got a low payroll, you've got to be smarter than I was. You've got to let players go early rather than late. When you're the Atlanta Braves, with their public disclosures of revenue, with their making money hand over fist in their ancillary revenue, the ballpark village around Truist Park, Truist Field or Truist Park, I can't remember, the Atlanta Braves facility, they realize that they have the luxury of doing something that we may have done, but it wasn't a luxury. It was just a flat out mistake. Charlie Morton, former race pitcher actually, is going back to Atlanta on a one year, $20 million deal. $20 million is about $325,000 less than the qualifying offer this year. And so what Atlanta was saying is, Charlie Morton is not a qualifying offer level player. If he were a free agent who had never had a qualifying offer, that's the rule in baseball that you can give a player a qualifying offer and that player can then accept it, which is a one year, $20.3 million contract. Or if he rejects it, then sign somewhere else, the team who offered him that qualifying offer gets a draft pick. It's called draft pick compensation. Something that agents wanted to get rid of. They tried to get rid of it in the last collective bargain agreement. And the owner said, no problem. Give us the international draft and we'll get rid of qualifying offer draft pick compensation. There was no international draft agreed to. So here we are with qualifying offers being offered, being rejected, and then having draft picks associated with them. So Atlanta said to themselves, all right, we're going to give Charlie Morton 20 million bucks. He's not worth 20, but for our team, he is. And that's one of the reasons why small revenue teams are so jealous of large revenue teams, small payroll versus large payroll. What a luxury to have a veteran like Charlie Morton. What a luxury to bring him back and have him part of your team, a team that is right now favored to win the World Series in 2024, a team that has that core of players who are so good, so performing. They lost to Phillies in the playoffs twice in a row, I grant you. But as a team, there's a reason they're the favorites to win the World Series again. What a luxury to have a Charlie Morton. When you are a different type of team, you have to think about those decisions because they can be crippling. If your payroll is $100 million, you can't give $20 million to Charlie Morton. You can't give 20% of your payroll. If it's $200 million, you're still giving 10% of your payroll to Charlie Morton. 
you better have a lot of good young players outperforming their contracts to do that. I think we should talk more about the qualifying offer. Do you want to take a break first, Coca? I think we should. All right, let's take a break. We're going to review a movie that is yet another life changer. It's hard to keep track, I know, but we'll do it. And then I want to talk about the qualifying offer because yesterday was the deadline for players to be offered qualifying offers and something very, very interesting happened. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson coming to you on a Tuesday. Matthew Koch and I are live every day, 8 a.m. Eastern. So no matter what time zone I'm in, I will be there for you at 8 a.m. No matter how schwitzy I am, how tired I am, we love doing this every day, and we appreciate your loyalty. We appreciate your downloads and your subscriptions and the way you're watching us live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Keep telling your friends about it. You are our promotional arm. There's no one else. It's just you, the audience. Thank you. I watched a movie because one of you told me to watch it, and it's not that I'm angry. I'm not. It's someone else when I, someone told me to watch Poisoned, The Dirty Truth About Your Food, and I did, and I reviewed it, and I told you the impact it had on me, and I told you the weight I've lost since I watched that. And then one of you said, hey, I got a follow-up for you, Dave. Why don't you watch What the Health? And I said, well, I'm not really in the mood to watch another food movie because I'm afraid I'll wither away to nothing, but all right, fine. I'll watch it. Thanks for nothing. So now after watching What the Health, here's where I stand. I can't eat chicken. I can't eat eggs. I can't eat the yolk of eggs for sure. I can't eat meat of any kind. I can't eat lettuce. I can't eat anything other than jelly beans. That's it. Water. Do you know how your lettuce gets watered in the fields? Do you know what happens to your chickens? and the slaughterhouses? 
Do you know how unhealthy things are? And worse than that, what the health goes through, what the federal government is supposed to be doing. And here's a big surprise for you. It's a big nothing burger. It's all an absolute scam. They all get funded by the food companies, all of these regulators. It would be the equivalent of owners paying umpires. Well, wait a minute, hold on. Let me think about that for a minute. It would be the equivalent of car manufacturers paying the brake pad company to save money. Well, hold on, is that really what it is? It's the equivalent of the DMV. <laughs> there is no equivalent to having the companies that make more money by being less clean and being more streamlined, in which case there are fewer inspectors, there's self-inspection, but they fund the government entities that are supposed to do the inspecting. So you hire the guy who's government issued to come to your factory, and then you pay that company to say, don't worry that I can only inspect one chicken out of a thousand. Don't worry about that, we're good. Don't worry that I'm not paying attention to the E. coli and all the other crap that exists everywhere because we're fine. We'll do a study that we'll finance ourselves. It's like hiring Samson and Coca to do your investigation. It's actually worse. Hiring Samson Coco would be better. It's like investigating yourself, Danny Snyder. It's laughable. No, don't worry. I'll hire the NFL to do it. Give me a break. So I ask you to watch what the health, but I encourage you to not react to it the way I did because I'm struggling right now. And I'm being honest. I'm happy you know me. I, I'm honest with you on this show. Always. I want to forget that I saw it. I want to forget what I know because I'm not looking for another compulsion. I've got plenty. Thanks for that movie wreck. I appreciate it. All right, qualifying offers. Remember, 20.325 million, one year. The worst nightmare is when you offer a player a qualifying offer and the player accepts it. Because not only do you not get the draft pick compensation, but also you have a player back at $20.325 million, who you did not want to sign to a long-term deal. Only seven players got qualifying offers this year. Let's name them, and you tell me whether any of these players will accept the qualifying offer. Shohei Otani. No. Aaron Nola from Philadelphia. You think that he's not going to get a multi-year offer? Please. How about Blake Snell? The Padres pitcher who's going to win the Cy Young, who's not someone I would sign long-term, but someone's going to give him two, three years. No danger of him accepting the Padres offer. Sonny Gray in Minnesota. Interesting. Could someone not offer Sonny Gray because the Yankees are out? Is there a chance that Sonny Gray will accept a qualifying offer and take $20 million to stay in Minnesota? People in Minnesota right now, I can picture Dave Sampeter, the great team president. Great man, great president. His toes and fingers are crossed right now, praying to God that somebody offers Sonny Gray a multi-year. So maybe there's a possibility. How about up north in Toronto? You think Matt Chapman's not gonna get a multi-year deal? 
Josh Hader in San Diego. Josh Hader, the best closer in baseball, got a qualifying offer from San Diego. San Diego gave a qualifying offer to Snell and Hader, and they need to lose them both because their payroll needs to get lower. Could Josh Hader take a one-year $20 million deal? Hell no. That's not what bullpen arms do. They go for length and security because they are one season away from blowing out or being ineffective. Last one. The turnaround story of the offseason. The guy who no one wanted. The former MVP. He and Yelich were the face of baseball until Cody Bellinger could no longer play. All of a sudden, he goes to the Cubbies and he's resuscitated. A career rebirth. When Craig Council is making out his lineup, you think he's going to see Cody Bellinger on a one-year $20.325 million deal? Nope. That's it. There are no obvious players who will accept the qualifying offer. They've got till November 14th. So what are they doing? It's the same thing they've been doing since August. The agents for these players are going to find deals with teams to guarantee they've got more than $20.3 million in notional dollars, to guarantee they get the second year from somebody guaranteed, and they've got till the 14th. Why does baseball allow that amount of time? Because the union demanded it. Because all players do is make sure that if they accept the qualifying offer, it's only because they have no choice. Because what the union wants is players to sign long-term deals that are all fully guaranteed, that are not dependent on performance, that are all dependent on past performance. It's a dream for an employee to get paid for what you've done, not what you're going to do. Hallelujah. Bring it on. Wouldn't you love that in your company? Hey, we're giving you a bonus this year based on what you did three years ago. Congratulations. Because we think you're going to do it again. It's funny. I pulled for when I was in baseball, and I would have loved this. I wanted the players to have 20 minutes after receiving the qualifying offer. 20 minutes. You get it? Do you believe in yourself or not? Are you ready to bet on yourself or not? You got 20 minutes. You're in or you're out. Because I don't want to sit there as a team for eight days wondering, am I getting $20 million put on my payroll by this guy? I want to go into the GM meetings knowing exactly who's on my team. But now you've got seven players with teams, though only six teams because there's two people from the Padres, saying to themselves, hmm, not sure what we can do here because we may have an extra 20 on the books in a particular position. Now this year, I would argue, potentially persuasively, that these six teams needn't worry. As a matter of fact, I am so sure of that, that I'm going to make an official wait to see. Now, wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, great. One way we differentiate ourselves on nothing personal is we happen to revisit wait to sees we get wrong. So for example, if I told you in September, that Zach Wilson will not be the Jets starter by week nine. If I happen to say that as a wait to see, and then he started a week nine game, I have to tell you on today's show, hey, there was a wait to see about Zach Wilson, and I was wrong. So you see, we will wait to see, and it'll be what it'll be. But today's wait to see 
is that on November 14th, not seven, not six, not five, not four, not three, not two, not even one player will accept its his team's qualifying offer. Zero. Nada. No one's accepting it. I'm barely accepting the fact that the Spurs gave up over 150 points last night. But David, it was back-to-back. You should have known, Coca said, and he was right when I made the pick yesterday. He was very clear, and he said to me, the Spurs are going to get their ass kicked. And I assume he bet that on DraftKings. Did you, Coca? Did you fade my pick of the day because you knew for sure that the Spurs getting eight and a half wasn't enough? I hope you did. Are you there? Hello? What are you, collecting your money? Counting your money? We also had the Jets plus three and a half versus the Chargers because for whatever reason, I thought the Aaron Rodgers effect would happen because the Chargers are mediocre and maybe the Jets would say, hey, Aaron's so close to coming back, we might as well win another game and really get him back because he'll only come back if we're in the hunt. The New York Jets stink. So we lost both picks. 161 and 164. I'm trying to switch it around today. Coca just said to me, that's funny. I just heard you. you. When you whisper, I can't properly always hear you. I respect you too much to bet against your picks. Picking is not about respect. It's about money. Anyway, we're going to hockey. Are you paying attention to the hockey season yet? You should be. There's some good teams out there. Jim Dolan has himself a good team. We're taking the New York Rangers against the Detroit Red Wings. For those of you who think that I don't pay attention to hockey, I do. I love hockey. It's actually my favorite sport to go to in person is hockey. That's a little known fact there. I don't love watching it on TV because I have a hard time following the puck. And no, I don't like the glow puck either. Though, of course, I'll watch the Stanley Cup playoffs because there's nothing better than Stanley Cup hockey. But going to hockey games, amazing. And yes, people go to the world's most famous arena to watch the Rangers. The Rangers over the Red Wings. All right, let's finish with a baseball story here. And it's a question that one of you asked. And it's a without playing the music and doing that because we don't have time. It was a So You Want to Talk to Samson, where you get into my Twitter, David P. Samson, or whatever you have to do to go on, my, on our website, David Samson Podcast. And you're asking me about the Japanese pitcher And you've been reading a lot about him. If you haven't, please start paying attention. Now you're going to hear about him all the time. His last name is Yamamoto. He just pitched in the Japanese World Series. He had 138 pitches in his last start. Struck out 14 guys. He's got plus stuff. He's got plus slider, plus breaking ball, plus fastball. There's nothing he doesn't do well. We're not talking about Daisuke here. We're talking about a pitcher who's going to be posted and come to the big leagues next year. And I want to explain to you what that means because Japanese players are not straight free agents. There are scenarios under which they are as agreed to in a document that outlines the working relationship between the Japanese pro league and major league baseball. But suffice it to say, it's negotiated in a way that benefits Major League Baseball that the majority of Japanese players, when they want to come to the States, are not actual free agents. There's something called a posting system. A posting system is when a team who has the rights to the Japanese player in Japan, it's almost like what happens in soccer, where a team that wants to sign a soccer player away from another team 
actually has to pay the player, but also pay the old team. In Japan, it's the same thing. When I first started in baseball, there were no rules to Japanese posting. And we had no chance to ever get a Japanese player because it was going to be the Yankees or the Red Sox. Because the way it worked is that when a player got posted, there were blind bids with no frame of reference. You could bid a dollar, you could bid a billion dollars. And what you're bidding for is the right to negotiate with the player. And if you come to an agreement with the player, the team who's losing the Japanese player, the Japanese team, gets the money that was in the bid, in the envelope, from the team who has the player. So if you're the Boston Red Sox, you can bid $50 million to get Dice K, pay him $50 million. Dice K is happy, he's making 50. His old team is happy, they're getting 50. The Red Sox are saying, I'm willing to pay $100 million for this player. He's a $100 million player. Finally, players realize this doesn't seem fair. If I'm a $100 million player, I want $100 million. Why would I split that with my old team? The answer always was because that's how you get the right to even make 50 because we're letting you go before your time to go over to Major League Baseball. But the rules changed after that where they made what all teams pay a Japanese team if they sign a Japanese player who is posted is identical. It's a formula. It was done in a way to make the Marlins have as good a chance to get a Japanese player as the Yankees. There is no difference. So what happens is a Japanese player gets posted, that player negotiates with whatever team he wants to play for in Major League Baseball, and then the team, in order to sign that Japanese player, writes a check to the Japanese team. And it's a formula. And it's based on 20% of 25 million of a contract and then 17% of the next 25, 15% of any money above that, doesn't matter. Just know the math that if you sign a guy to $150 million, basically you give the player 150 and you give the team 25. That's a way better formula for everybody than giving a, a player 50 and a team 50. So that's the reason why the posting rules have changed. So anybody can sign this Yamamoto pitcher and he's going to get $150 million and the Japanese team that he played on is going to get $25 million and some team will invest 175, amortize it over five years, the extra $25 million and say to themselves, he's now $175 million player, not a $150 million player. That's a lot easier than saying he's a hundred, not 50. Yamamoto is rumored to be going to the Mets, but the Mets have no great advantage other than what they will offer Yamamoto. What a brilliant change. The advantage is not what you can throw away in a posting fee. The advantage is that you're willing to sign a player unproven in the big leagues who could be a Cy Young winner. He could be an Otani-like figure as a pitcher or he could be Daisuke. You don't know. But the Mets, who clearly need pitching, are an easy solution, an easy answer for signing Yamamoto. As a matter of fact, Coca, as we close today's show, I will tell you 
that the New York Mets will sign Yamamoto. And you can make that my second official wait to see because the first one was so easy about the qualifying offers. So an official wait to see is Yamamoto will be a New York Met next season. Well, that's our show. We will be back tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern time. It's just business. This is nothing personal. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.